Pastor Brandon, family pastor here at Living Word, it's an honor to, to be here with you this morning and share um, uh, on this morning on why I believe missions is personal, right? The call of missions is personal to each of us. Last week, um, Pastor touched on, touched on why missions matters and why as a church, um, missions, um, being missions-minded is one of the four core values um, as a church. Why, as, as Peter Good was saying, even in the midst of, of, of a pandemic, all right, ministry and outreach must continue. It, it doesn't stop for the church. The work of the church does not stop. And so support of our local and international missions partners um, through your financial support um, remains vital, even when challenging and, and temporarily different, even when the goods have got to, to get creative to reach out online. Um, do you all know that we had just set, figured out, uh, not figured out, we had just gotten together streaming the week before everything shut down? Do you all know that? Was that not God's timing? Now we had, the, the team had been working on it for a while. They were they did an amazing job of getting it all together. But I, we we thankfully were ready, and it was just as right is ready to go. And so, um, like the like the goods there, they've used that right, and and as they've built that team to to continue ministering there in Greece, it must continue. I want us to understand this morning, church, that missions is not just something we do. I want you to hear that this morning. It's not just something we do. It's not just something we focus on one week of the year. It's not just faces on posters. Uh, Missions is the call of the church. Call it outreach. Call it loving my neighbor. Call it serving the lost, rejected, and marginalized. It is all the purpose of the bride of Christ. Missions is personal. I'm going to share um, some stories this morning with you. Um, I'm going to start in scripture and, and talk about a, a great interaction between Jesus and someone that was far from him and, and show you, we're going to look at um, how Jesus shows us through that story, how to live missionally. We talk a lot about how to live on mission. What does it mean to live according to the mission that God has for us? We'll talk through what we can learn as Jesus shows us how he cared for those he came in contact with that were hurting Then I've got a personal story from one of our very own right here at Living Word and how they ministered through Jesus um, in a very tough tough situation and someone that was in a world of hurt. I want to share these stories with you all in hopes that it will inspire and encourage you to make an impact in your life, in your circle of influence, to make an impact for Christ. I will, I will never forget as a young boy, our, our, my siblings and I went to church camp every summer, and I will never forget as a boy sitting in camp and listening to a missionary from Africa, I couldn't even tell you who it was, I don't remember, tell a story of reaching a tribe that had never heard the name of Jesus and the impact that that had on my life. I think as a kid, you know, you're naive. As a kid, you think, well, everybody's heard about, you know, and everybody's, surely everyone's heard, and, and that open something in my heart that day, that year, that summer at camp, um, to what Jesus wanted and needed to do in the people who did not know him. And so I hope this morning, in a little way, you'll be impacted, encouraged on why missions is your call, why it's my call, why as a church it's our call. Make no mistake, the purpose of missions is to share Jesus with a world that desperately needs to know him. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. 
through the Great Commission then in Matthew 28, 19, we, we hear stated what was our purpose as the body of Christ. In John 20, uh, 20 21, Jesus added, uh, added there in, by saying these words to his disciples after the resurrection, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Church, you and I have been sent. We must have a heart of evangelism. We've got to be ready to share the hope of Christ with people we come in contact with that, that don't know him, that may need him. But I want to share as I, as I continue this morning a little bit, um, a sidebar here. Uh, I want to share with you a weakness of mine. I hope that's okay. Um, and you're going to, you're going to see why this matters. I don't like when my plans get changed. Is anybody else, anybody else there? Can you help me out, please? It's not just me. Okay. I don't like when my plans get changed. Talk to my wife after if you must. Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, but I'm warning you, do you, she's got a chief's, She's got a chief hoodie on this morning. <laughs> be easy, be easy, okay? No, <laughs> she, hey, she's confident. I love it. I love it. Uh, we we are Missouri transplants, so give us give us some grace there. Um, but can any anybody sympathize with me on that? I don't like when my plans get changed. I need to be more flexible in that area. I know that. Uh, I just don't like when I've got a goal or a plan or something, right? And something comes along and changes that. But how many of you know that that's just how life works? right? That's how life works. Um, the school calls and our kids need something or, or the boss calls and, and needs our help with something ASAP or our spouse calls and needs our help um, with something important. Um, plans change often. And, and I've, I've found I'm not great sometimes at reacting. Pray for me. Pray for my wife um, on, on dealing with me. But let me ask you, have, have your plans ever changed completely because someone else needed you? Have your plans ever changed drastically because someone else needed you? I know I can name a few people who I know are, inf- are incredible at this. They would drop anything and everything seemingly without any problem, you know, because there's something that, that you need. I love that, and I, I need to be more like that. Would you and I drop our plans if it meant making an impact in someone's life? Would we allow ourselves to be inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel? I want to share with you three ways this morning. I believe missions is, is personal and how Jesus showed us that. Um, and my first point this morning, I believe Jesus inconvenienced himself to reach people. I want to start with a well-known story from the New Testament that illustrates how Jesus' plans seemed to change when someone's heart was at stake. Now, we can have a theological debate all day long about God's sovereignty, but, but read with me in the text, okay? And I think you'll understand why I'm, I'm making this point. Uh, this is Luke 19. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, it'll be on the screen. If you've got your um, digital Bible, um, possibly. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. So, so what were his plans? It, it seems to take, take the text at word that he was just passing through. He had a destination on the other side of Jericho. Whatever that was, whatever was happening, we're not sure. He was passing through. Verse 2, we're going to see, though, here how his plans seem to change from passing through to stopping and making a world of impact in someone who needed him. Verse 2, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, now much has been said about tax collectors, right, and, and their reputation in biblical times. Um, bluntly, though, they were despised, right? N- no, they were not a person that you were friendly with. <laughs> 
the NIV Life Connect Study Bible commentary had this to say about tax collectors. Um, quote, traditionally known as publicans, tax collectors were men employed by Roman tax contractors to collect taxes. So there was a system in Rome, right, of contractors to go out and collect all the taxes from the Roman Empire. Um, back, I'm sorry, because they worked for Rome and often demanded excessive payments, some of which they pocketed themselves, the tax collectors gained a bad reputation and were generally hated, end quote. So, so church, the tax collectors were employed by the Roman occupiers of the land of Israel, already unpopular, right, because of their heavy hand in Israel, and they were dishonest cheats taking more than they were supposed to be charging people. You can only imagine then their reputation in the community. They were hated. They, you stayed away from them. You hoped they didn't approach you, right? You hoped they didn't come up to you because you knew what it meant when they came up to you. Um, who watched Disney movies with their kids when they were little or still the old school Disney movie, Robin Hood? You seen Robin Hood? I cannot help but think of this guy from Robin Hood when I think tax collectors. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, this guy was a big jerk, right? The sheriff of Nottingham goes around collecting taxes from the already poor townspeople. Do you remember the story? He's knocking on doors took money from the dude on crutches, right? And then he takes money from the poor widow with like 20 bunny kids. And and then he takes money from Friar Tuck, right? The, the, the church, he takes money from the church. Oh, anyways, so I couldn't help but think of this guy, right, when I was preparing for this morning. So, sorry. But, but like, like the townspeople hated this tax collector, um, you understand then the general feeling, right, for these tax collectors in, in the Roman Empire. Uh, Matthew, the author of the New Testament book and one of the original disciples of Jesus, was also a tax collector. Um, I, I want to take a take a second to to recommend for you a great resource um, that that I've watched, and I want to encourage you if you haven't to check it out. It's called The Chosen. Have you guys heard of it? You guys seen it? It's it's a great, great mini-series on the life of Christ um, available um, by app download. You can find it in the App Store on for Droid or, or Apple. Um, it's a great free mini-series on the life of Christ. I'd highly, highly recommend it. Very, very well done um, with, with some well-known actors and actresses even in this series. So check that out sometime. The reason I mention that is because it does a really interesting job of showing the dynamic of Matthew as a tax collector, right, living in his community and how hated. He, he's kind of like slinking down the alleys, right, and so hoping that people don't see him. It was just a really interesting um, take on that. So check that out, The Chosen. I think that you'll enjoy that. Um, but back to our back to our scripture here this morning. Remember, Jesus is reaching out um, to someone that the community hated. <laughs> he was dishonest. He was unpopular. He even spent time. Jesus did with people that the religious saw as unclean, right? And we're going to hear that a little bit later at the end of the story. Zacchaeus as unworthy of his time. But aren't you thankful this morning that Jesus saw sinners like you and like me as worth his time? Amen. Continuing back in Luke 19, this is verse 3. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, 
Um, I'm sorry, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Uh, that, that, that interaction as a kid always kind of made me laugh a little bit. Like Zacchaeus doesn't know Jesus personally. Obviously Jesus knows Zacchaeus personally, but they've, you know, um, Zacchaeus doesn't know who this is. And Jesus walks up and says, Hey, come down. I'm coming to your house. Feed me something. <laughs> you know, like that's what I, that's what I think of. Um, but it's Zacchaeus must have been thrilled to host Jesus. Why? Cause we look at verse six and it says, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. What's, what's going on there? Why, why the, um, the interaction there that seems different to us? Uh, here's my second point this morning, and I think it's shown here. By going to his house, um, Jesus made missions personal because Jesus gave worth to people that others saw as worthless. Because of his position, I can bet Zacchaeus didn't have many people over to his house for dinner, right? He wasn't, his, his door wasn't open and people from the community just couldn't wait to go have dinner with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus felt a sense of honor and care from Jesus that day because someone would come to his house and sit and have a meal with him. Sitting together uh, for a meal, you got to remember in Middle Eastern culture, would, would, would be a very intimate thing. It would have been a long process too, right? This isn't a quick, everybody eat your food and go, you know, that, that sometimes we're used to in a fast-paced American culture, right? They would sit, it would, they, eating with their hands probably, right? They're, they're sitting on the ground close to each other maybe. It's a long, intimate um, process, personal thing. It meant the world to Zacchaeus that Jesus would do that. Those around Zacchaeus, though, see that Jesus came to his home and shared a meal. And what do they do? They're immediately critical. Look at verse 7, Luke 19. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Can you almost hear the talking in the background, right? Looking at what just happened. Here are, here are the religious, the super, who's, who are supposed to be leaders in the community, and they're immediately critical because of who Zacchaeus was, that this man would give his time and his investment to Zacchaeus, and they didn't, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. God forgive us when we look at people that Jesus died for and see them as a lost cause or just the sinner next door or too far, whatever, too far gone. Lord, help us when we marginalize or demean anyone for any worldly reason. Church, the people we disagree with are people Jesus died for. The people we push away because of our personal preferences are people Jesus love. Help us to have the heart of Christ for people. Church, missions is personal. We end the story of Zacchaeus with the greatest outcome. Zacchaeus repents of his wrongs and walks into salvation found only in Christ. This is verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. How incredible is that? How incredible that Zacchaeus is, is willing to come back and, and, and make good what he had done wrong. I love that Zacchaeus, by saying this, by doing this, puts action behind his words of repentance. He puts action behind what he had done. To show people around him that he had changed, he agrees publicly to make right all of his wrongs. 
There, there's a certain level of, of public accountability for Zacchaeus, isn't there? Right? Every, everyone knew very publicly what Zacchaeus did, right? And everybody knew his wrongs. Everybody knew how he took advantage of the neighbors. I'm sure there were people knew to look out for this guy, right? Because of what he was known for. Maybe by publicly announcing he was changed, people then would get to watch his public transformation and the glory would go back to Christ because of his changed life. Are there ways, church, that you and I have publicly wronged someone? I'm thinking social media, but maybe a conversation that someone else overheard that was a bad witness for Christ or something else like that. Church, maybe our public sins should come with a public repentance. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, here it is again, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. My third and final point this morning, missions is personal because Jesus invested in personal moments with the broken. Jesus made a personal connection with Zacchaeus that day that changed his life. The people who he had taken advantage of because of Zacchaeus' change then benefited from the transformation that happened in his life and and were repaid four times, right, what he had taken. How can we as a body of Christ and as individuals find ways to invest in the lives of the broken around us? Notice Jesus references Zacchaeus here as a son of Abraham. Did you catch that? Did you notice that he's again showing Zacchaeus his worth as a child of God, not his worth in how the community sees him and knows him, but his worth in how God sees him. He's a son, he's a child of God. In spite of his worldly position, in spite of his dishonest past, Zacchaeus was a son of Abraham and a child of God, worth Jesus being inconvenienced, worth his time, and worth his investment. Church, yours and my neighbor with a different lifestyle, or our neighbor who plays their music too loud, or or, or who might bother me in a variety of ways, they too are a son or a daughter of Abraham. A son, a, a child of God. Amen. Worth our time, worth our investment. So often we relegate those people who might be a little edgy, right? Because uh, of their reputation. I believe God wants to remind us of those people and who their worth is to God, not the, how the world sees them. In closing this morning, I want to share a story of, of one of our own, um, Many of you may know our own Frank Arase. Frank, give a wave and a shout, okay, right here. Um, Frank does um, incredible ministry um, with um, a group called Impact Theater, and it's a unique approach, um, puts on free events locally to anyone who will come and listen and, and challenges people in a gospel message through an artistic presentation. How do I do, Frank? That. Right? That good? Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Here's an, a, a great story that Frank shared with me that I want to share with our church body this morning. Again, as a kid, I was so impacted by these stories, and I hope this, hope this um, impacts your heart this morning. Um, every month, Frank says, we would get a group of r- rough, raw, hard-hearted women attending our Impact Theater monthly events. Each month, he says, there were about 10 of these women who would come in and just give the troop members all kinds of fits and problems. 
Each one of these women were brought in from a halfway house with all types of backgrounds, lesbians, Wiccans, atheists, a couple of Christians scattered throughout. They would come in with their arms around one another, causing issues, taking extra food, tough, abused women. But Frank would calm his troop down and just tell them to love them and watch what God would do. And God did incredible things so that by the end of each night when they gave an altar call, the Holy Spirit worked in hearts and at least one or two of them would come forward for prayer each month. Frank adds beautiful young ladies who God loves. I love that. One particular evening as Frank was making his announcement, he sees them walk in. There were always at least one of them who was pregnant, but this one young lady looked like she was ready to pop, Frank says. In all caps, she was pregnant. So Impact did their show, gave the altar call, and she came forward. As he usually does, Frank asked her name and what was hurting her. He asked her to tell him her story. Michelle proceeded to tell Frank that she had been raped. Also, that she was not sure if she would ever see her baby in heaven because she did not know Jesus. Frank told her we could take care of that. They spoke of Christ. Um, lots of tears. She received Christ that night. Amen. What was odd to Frank that it seemed she was expecting to lose her child. The following month or so, Frank was making announcements again and in walked 10 of these ladies. Frank did not see Michelle, but that wasn't, that wasn't odd because of the turnover rate at these group homes. What was odd is that several of these women were already weeping as they came in. They hadn't even started the program Frank gave an altar call at the end of the night, as they always do, and several of them came forward. They began to tell Frank that Michelle had passed away giving birth. It was startling to the impact troop, and they did not know how to process it. But everyone wept and prayed together. A couple others received Christ that night. And it was as if Michelle knew something that night and wanted to see her child again one day. Frank and his troop at impact have hearts to minister to these hard-hearted women with abused past and rough backgrounds. Church, we cannot allow people's rough exteriors to repel us and and stop us from sharing the hope that they need in their lives. As the worship team comes and helps us close, we've got to continue praying for people in our lives that need Christ. We've got to move then with action in ways to reach them. We can't be so easily deterred from those that need them, like Jesus pursuing, uh, like the good shepherd pursuing that lost sheep. Let's pursue with passion our lost friends and family. I want to end this morning with a challenge for each of us. I love, I love putting, helping as a church family to put some feet behind, right? But behind what we're talking about. I would love this morning, love this morning, if each of you would think of one lost person in your life. One. One person. And I would love it if you would message our social media pages, if you're connected with us online, or send us an email. However you can reach out to us, I would love for you to message us the first name of that one person in your life, in your circle of influence that needs Jesus. One person. Church, can you, can you imagine what would happen if each of us acted in that person's life as the example of Jesus? Can you imagine how change would happen in our community? One person. Jesus saw the, the hope and value of that one person. I want you to look around at these posters this morning. I want you to replace the faces on them with that lost person that you're thinking about. 
Maybe it's a son or daughter for you that's far from God. Maybe it's someone else in your family. Maybe it's someone in your community. I don't know who that is, but missions is personal. These people, these are not just faces on a poster. These are faces that God cares personally about. And he sent his son to die for each and every one of them. That neighbor that annoys the noise you to no end because they keep crossing your property line or whatever, God, would you convict our hearts and see those people the way that God sees them? He saw them in such a way that he sent his own son, his only son, to die on a cross for them. I hope that we can see those people in our lives that need Christ in that way because that's God's heart for, for them. That's God's heart for the church, that missions would remain a personal connection for you and I, that would remain a personal thing that we do, not relegated to some far over place, far overseas thing where there's some missionary taking care of that, right? But also in our lives that we would be reaching out to people that need him. Amen. Amen. God, we pray this morning that you would convict our hearts of people in our lives that so desperately need you. God, that we would realize that we're the example of Christ in their lives, that you've put us there for a reason. Give us opportunity. Give us courage. God, help us to be obedient to the call to reach the lost in our circle, in our community, in our family. By your Holy Spirit, provide the opportunity to reach those people for your name. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we worship.